Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Wheels Up. It's our podcast about the unusual stories we hear from the airlines, airplanes, and the people who work there and who fly. I'm Mark Robertson. Thank you for listening. And uh, we are always joined by our friend Jay Ratliff, iHeartRadio's airline expert and former airline executive. Jay, welcome. Uh, Good day to you. Good day. Well, we have a lot to talk about. I know that in uh, recent installments, we've talked about the fact that the airlines are no longer allowing uh, the, uh, emotional support animals without a fee, and the only thing they'll yeah. allow is, is dogs, and those have to be legitimate service dogs. But I did read something interesting I thought I'd mention, that Amtrak says that pets can now travel some of its train lines. Um, mm-hmm. they, they say they're extending the pet program. Dogs and cats weighing up to 20 pounds will be allowed on the trains with eight pet spaces available on a first-come, first-served basis. And I never really thought of Amtrak as an option. I didn't know if they've always allowed pets or not, but I thought this is kind of interesting in light of what the airlines are doing. Yeah, they have, to my recollection, I'm not an Amtrak expert, mm. but they are, just like airlines, they welcome them, but they will limit the number of pets per cabin or per area uh, so that you don't have 45 people traveling and 45 pets. Uh, just like in the cockpit, or the, I'm sorry, the, the cabin area of a passenger aircraft, Airlines will allow passengers to fly with smaller animals that fit in the cages that will fit underneath the seat in front of the passenger. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they're only, they limit the number of animals per cabin that they allow. And Amtrak's doing the same thing. And now that airlines are starting to crack down on uh, not their own rules, but the Department of Transportation, talking about, you know, as you mentioned, uh, service dogs are the only free animals that will be flying, those that are trained. Uh, the emotional support animals, so to speak, are now all classified as pets, and they require passengers to pay 125, 150, whatever the airlines charge, uh, to be able to fly with the, you know, the paying passenger. Right. So, if anybody doesn't like the idea of having to put their pet in in cargo, because you never know if they're going to make it, uh, this is an option. It's twenty six dollars per uh, pet on Amtrak. They are limiting it, um, and the only t- the only place they can't bring them is first class and the um, the food cars. But I thought that was kind of an interesting option there. Yeah, first class uh, passengers might be a little bit, you know, uh, not as in favor of having animals <laughs> up there. And that's where they make a lot of their money, just like airlines. I mean, airlines make you know, 70% of their money from their, their non-corporate travelers that fly all the time, both in first class and coach, and they do everything they can to keep those individuals as happy as possible. So... Yeah, the idea of having animals uh, bound about uh, is the case. And, and now that the Department of Transportation has weighed in and has established some consistency with regards to pet acceptance on carriers, it's making it a lot easier for passengers to know, okay, what the rules are, how they need to travel. And, you know, for people that have pet allergies, mm-hmm. it, it was a nightmare. Uh, we had stories of, you know, uh, one passenger in uh, Dallas on American Airlines, seated in coach, or I'm sorry, seated in first class, ticket he paid for, woman shows up next to him with a dog. 
uh, as an emotional support animal. He's highly allergic. Mm-hmm. He starts sneezing like crazy and pleads with the flight crew, look, you have to do something. And the only thing that they could do for him is to let him uh, fly in coach in the last uh, seat or row or so. So as a result, they kind of said, you know, you're going to have to move or get off the plane. And he's like, why should I have to get off the plane if I'm the one that has the allergy? So uh, he did. And, of course, being an African-American, it then became an article of race as far as the reports around the country, which was unfortunate. But it really just goes to show how little control passengers had when it came to flying. And that was that was the problem. And the the thought is, the hope is, that uh, you know this type of consistency uh, will allow airlines to adopt a policy that a passengers can understand and follow, and b something that uh, you know is fair across the board. So what did he did he move into to coach or did he get on it off the plane? I believe, and that it's been several months since the story, so you're testing my 57 year old memory here. But <laughs> um, I believe that he got off the plane because he did not want to fly in coach, having bought a first-class ticket. So, uh, But it, it just went, it, it kind of underscored just how difficult it was for passengers to try to deal with this. Because, look, at the time, the Department of Transportation said not only was it okay to bring an emotional sport miniature horse on board, mm-hmm. airlines could not limit or could only limit passengers to three such emotional support animals. You could have had one person showing up with three horses, horses, (laughs) flying, and the airlines, because of the rules that were in place, would have been unable to deny that passenger from boarding. And, I I mean, these these horses, the miniature horses, which a lot of airports around the country, including Cincinnati and others, use as they go through the uh, airports as emotional support animals for people that are preparing to fly, they're great creatures. I mean, they're great animals. But to sit next to one for two or three or four hours on a flight is not what a lot of people look forward to doing. I'm also interested about the, uh, the I guess, the flight attendant or whoever made the decision. Who do I have to? Who do I have to get to leave the plane? The guy who's got the allergy or the woman who's got the dog? Well, the flight attendant would get a hold of flight control, which would be their management team saying, look, here's the scenario, here's the problem, here's what we have to resolve. What do you think? What do we need to do? And, of course, you can't rule against someone with a, quote, medical issue because then you, you open your up to all kinds of problems mm-hmm. with regards to, you know, uh, you know, airlines and companies these days are scared to death to do anything that would go against someone's, you know, medical needs, if you will. And uh, so, yeah, obviously, 100 times out of 100, they're going to side on the side of someone that that has the so-called emotional support animal, even though you and I have talked about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people went online, bought a best for, best for 40 bucks, slapped it on Fido, and showed up at the gate and uh, laughed the entire time thinking, I'm putting one over on the airlines, because before this emotional support animal craze, People had to pay 125 or 150 bucks to get their dog to fly with them in the cabin from where they were at to where they were going each way. Once they were able to, you know, label their pet as an emotional support animal, they didn't have to pay that 250 bucks round trip. And uh, I mean, people just had a heyday at it. The unfortunate part of it, obviously, is that those that needed emotional support animals to fly. Uh, were being prevented from, you know, doing so as it ended up 
because of the actions of some of these individuals, which was really sad. Very interesting. All right. This is Wheels Up, our podcast about the airlines and the people who work there. I'm Mark Robertson. We're talking, of course, with uh, Jay Ratliff, iHeartRadio's airline expert and former airline executive. And while we're on the subject of animals, this is an interesting story. Uh, a, a cat attacked a pilot on a plane. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. how, how did the cat get there, but, but tell me the story about this. Well, it was it was leaving Sudan, uh, northern Africa. Uh, the, the aircraft took off. It was about 20 minutes into flight. When all of a sudden this cat shows up on the flight deck in the cap in the cockpit, uh, Captain First Officer, no idea how it got there, had no idea it was there. But all of a sudden, here's a cat, and not only a cat, but one that really wasn't mm, excited about flying. So that's <laughs> when the cat attacked the captain. Now look, it, 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 since the aircraft they declared emergency, came back and landed, I would I would pay since no one got hurt here. <laughs> Not too bad, anyways. Uh, I would love to hear the, the cockpit voice recorder yeah. to see who was loudest, the captain or the cat. <laughs> As the battle ensued, you just don't know. But the thought was that the cat was able to, during the previous stop, to somehow get on board the airplane and stay there uh, and remain undetected while the airplane was boarded and then closed up and off they went. But we've had times before where animals on layovers have gotten in. There was American Airlines flight leaving Honolulu. They had left. They were maybe 30 or 45 minutes out, so they're over water, coming back to the mainland, and the, and the captain and first officer heard a scratching in the console above them. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, what in the world's going on? Come to find out a squirrel had made its way into the cockpit oh, and was ne- then above the crew in the console. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of wires there that pilots need to kind of help keep the airplane in the sky. Mm-hmm. So they quickly declared emergency, turned around, and landed that bad boy back in, um, in in Honolulu because they were scared to death, that the and rightfully so, very concerned, not scared to death. These pilots, you know, they're pretty tough. But they were concerned that this little varmint was going to get in there and chew through some wires sure. that uh, could cause some problems. So it happens from time to time, which makes you wonder about, aircraft security on some of these, uh, you know, turnarounds. Yeah, I know. It's almost like they should check the plane for animals before they take off, but I I, I don't know that we've ever heard this in, in domestic flights. These, This was in, in um, an African flight with, a, with yes. a cat. Yeah. Well, it's rare, it, but it happens. Look, you know, when you're not talking about animals, let's talk about people. There's times that somebody has too much to drink, they fall asleep. And when it gets to the city they're going to, they just sleep right through the stop. They get to the final destination of the day, and everybody gets off the plane, and people overlook the guy back in 23F <laughs> that's asleep against the wall. He wakes up, and boom, he's in a hangar somewhere because nobody <laughs> checked the aircraft. That, that's happened numerous times. So those, those mistakes happen um, with some animals much larger than a cat, as we saw there. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is it happens from time to time. And, uh, you know, in this case, fortunately, there was nothing more than just a, an inconvenience as the aircraft had to come back and land. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So from an African airline, let's go up to Dubai. That's Emirates Airline, which is a very mm-hmm. upscale airline. And they're doing yeah. something what they call an empty seat booking option for people who want more space or privacy. Well, now that more people are flying, and look, we're not anywhere near the, the travel numbers that we had a year ago. Um, or actually, just past a year because this was the month things kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you want to be, if you're going to be traveling, you're going to be on an extended flight. You can pay uh, 150 bucks or whatever, have the seat next to you, empty, 
so that, uh, you know, A, you have a little bit more room, but a lot of people that are business travelers want to sit in the executive class or first class for Emirates, but a lot of times it's full. So you you need room to work. You need room to do things. So you might be seated in a window seat. You want the seat next to you or an aisle seat. You want the seat next to you so that you can kind of spread out your work, drop two tray tables, and get a lot of work done as you're en route to your destination. And that happens a lot. And having this option is good for the traveler. And since the airline knows that you know 60% of the plane is going to be full, 50% maybe, the idea that they can get a little bit more revenue from those that are traveling, to me, makes it a, a very good idea. Very interesting. Okay. And one more uh, story that's about an international airline. This is Qantas, the Australian airline, and they are doing what they call mystery flights. They're doing a day trip, but they won't tell you where you're going. If you're a spontaneous kind of person, which I think you are, Mm -hmm. you could buy a ticket, show up at the airport, and they say, okay, here's where we're going. You don't know when you buy the ticket, and then you're off to the races and go. The idea is they'll fly you somewhere in Australia, big continent, big country, and Mm -hmm. you'll fly, you'll spend the day there, and you'll come back that evening. And, you know, for people that are anxious to fly, very, very anxious to fly, then this gives them the opportunity uh, to do so. In fact, I don't know if you want to buy this survey or not, but I'll mention it real quick. Travago, the travel company, they came out with a survey last week that said if uh, they they did a survey of people, how bad do you want to travel, 38% of Americans, I get this, 38% of Americans said they would give up sex for a year to travel. Same survey was 40% of Europeans. Now, I don't know if I want to buy that or not, because, look, Travago's trying to encourage people to travel. And my wife, Sherry, had the best question. She said, Jay, did they um, specify how men responded versus how women responded? Mm. uh, They they didn't break that down. But uh, the idea with Qantas is they're saying people are just dying to travel. Right. So as a result, we're going to offer this as a flight to nowhere. Go somewhere. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, mystery flight, rather. We'll go somewhere, visit it, and then come back and go from there. You remember the, the flights to nowhere they used to have? You'd take off, fly around for a couple of hours, and come back. Yeah. Those were squashed right after they began because the global warming crowd started going after airlines saying, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You can't do that. You're killing the planet. You can't have an aircraft up there flying around and not going anywhere. And airlines stopped doing it almost as soon as they started, which was unfortunate. Wow. So we'll see if these uh, mystery flights, which I think is a pretty cool idea. I do think it's a cool idea. Yeah. The, the, it is. The tickets went on sale March the 4th. And apparently mm-hmm. um, the cities that they're targeting are Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, big, three big cities in Australia. Yes. And it says that they won't tell you where you're going until the plane begins to descend, which I think is kind of right. fun. Yeah, It is. Now, look, I did something similar with my wife, and I'll never do it again. I told her to pack. I was going to take her to some nice destination. We flew from, at the time, I think it was Dayton, Atlanta. In Atlanta, I was taking her to Tampa for some fun. And when we got to the, the terminal, I said, okay, it's one of these gates. Now, I had forgotten, and it's hard for me to even admit this, but in Atlanta, Terminal T, like Tom, is the international concourse. 
I'd forgotten that. So when I turn her loose, first gate she passes is Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, my gosh, are we going here? No. <laughs> Next one's Paris, France. Are we going here? No. So we get all the way down to, like, you know, Tampa, Florida. She's like, well, you know, and turns around and comes back. So uh, those mystery flights have never worked out for me in the past, and I, <laughs> I suspect those with Qantas will go a little bit better. I think so, too. It sounds like a lot of fun, too. I wish they would do it that is, here. It is, and for people that haven't traveled that are used to flying all the time, yeah. it's a nice, needed distraction. Absolutely. All right, let's 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 talk about some domestic airlines. This is kind of a cool story. Uh, uh, a flight attendant with Frontier Airlines pointed out, what, to the captain that there was still ice on the wing of the plane before it took off? This could have been such a horrible situation, such a horrible situation. We had a uh, Frontier Airlines flight in Nashville. The plane pushes back from the gate. And as those of us that travel during times of inclement weather, you uh, are you, you taxi over to a de-icing pad where they de-ice you. They get all the ice and the snow off the wings and a lot of the critical uh, surfaces on, on an aircraft. And then you taxi for takeoff and away you go. Um, they pulled up. The Frontier flight did. They were de-iced, they thought, and they pulled away from the gate after the ground crew said, hey, you're good to go. And then uh, what ends up taking place is the flight attendant, uh, one of them on board, looks out the window and sees there's a lot of snow and ice on the wing. In fact, there's a foot of snow still left on the wing. Wow. Now, anytime that you have any contaminants on the surface of a wing, it disrupts the airflow that goes over and under, which provides lift, and that's how we fly. And uh, having anything on the wing is is bad, bad news. You can look at the Air Florida Flight 90 that crashed in uh, January, I think, of 82 Mm -hmm. with the exact same issue. It took off, it glided for a while, and it came right down. And the flight attendant notified the captain, hey, there's something wrong here. Captain stopped the flight, came back, looked, and absolutely there was. Come to find out that the ground crew, and this wasn't Frontier, but a company that they used for de-icing, uh, said yeah, they ran out of de-icing fluid, and they just kind of waved them on anyways. So What? Uh, yes. And Frontier said, we will never ever use you guys again and and i suspect that you know there'll be serious ramifications from other airlines that will refuse to to uh you know work with these people ever again i would i would not and you really couldn't because if you as an airline elect to do so and then all of a sudden there's a problem you can be sued for negligence because the company that you still use has a noticeable or you know something that happened to them in the past and as a result, I mean, you could be you could be liable in a court of law because no, you knew that this company had problems in the past. So, you know, to me, it was um, thankfully the, the the flight attendant uh, did her job, and mm-hmm. their job is to constantly observe everything that's going on around them. And she saved that aircraft. Had they tried to take off, uh, it would have been a, a, just a horrific disaster. And uh, thankfully, she was on her toes, did her job and uh, saved everyone that was on board that flight. She deserves any kudos that she gets from the airline, because you're absolutely right. And then some. Yeah, and then some. That's a great story. Uh, Let's see. American Airlines, this is kind of interesting. They're offering a vaccine incentive to some of their employees. They are. American has, uh, I don't know, 102,000 employees or so right now, Mm -hmm. and and they are looking at – uh, providing an incentive for everybody who is looking to uh, um, take the vaccine. They'll give you an extra day's vacation for the day. So as a result, you know, if you get the vaccine, huh, you'll get an extra day's vacation. So uh, it, it, it's 
kind of their way of trying to get all their employees to get the vaccine. And uh, other companies are doing this across the country, aviation and non. And the idea is, look, you know, you're talking about 102,000 people and, and potentially giving away 102,000 days of pay. Mm-hmm. Americans making a significant uh, investment here. And uh, you know, that, that's great to see. The, the, the thing is, of course, airlines are losing a ton of money right now, Air, American Airlines included. So, uh, you know, hats off to them for, you know, going out and taking care of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I noticed in one of your e-blasts that you sent out um, that the number of airline complaints is going up. It is. And, you know, this is always a fun topic for me because the the, the Department of Transportation measures complaints by how many complaints are registered with the Department of Transportation. Now, here's the problem. Most people don't even know you can complain to the Department of Transportation. Right. So, you know, the idea that we're measuring complaints based on this is, to me, laughable. And, uh, but yeah, more people are complaining. We had times where, you know, there'd be 70, 700 people or something that would, 70 million people, excuse me, would fly in a given month, and there'd be 900 people complain. Well, now we're seeing hundreds of thousands of people complain, uh, more than 100,000 last year, and it's up big time. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they uh, are saying is more and more people are complaining about how the airlines are doing things, especially on refunds. And I've been advocating for years, if you have an issue with an airline, complain to them if you want, but definitely go to dot.gov, the Department of Transportation website, mm-hmm. file your complaint there. It makes it a matter of record. The airlines are forced to respond, and in a timely fashion. And airlines hate it. They hate going through these uh, these uh, complaints because what will happen is it requires additional man hours and they have to respond. Sometimes they have to give back things that they weren't originally going to give back. And when you have that take place, it uh, you know it's problematic for them. My response to the airlines complaining is do a better job. Then we won't complain. But, but here's the, the ridiculousness of it all. If the Department of Transportation in one month sees 800 complaints, the next month they see 700 complaints. They make the conclusion, and it's laughable, but they say this: airline customer service is improving, right? Because we're getting fewer complaints. Now, I'm the guy that you know. I've told you, I hold my hand up in the back of class. Say, Excuse me, if 99% of the people who fly don't know that's an option, how can we really use that as a measurement with regards to customer service? But they do anyway. So, look, I wish more and more people would would complain to the Department of Transportation, because when you have hundreds of millions of people flying, there are millions of complaints. But, you know, I think last year we had 102,000 or something, what, 100-plus thousand mm-hmm. that complained to the DOT, and that number needs to go up. I suspect the more we complain, the more that we can get the airlines to start treating us a little bit more than just like cattle. Well, what's so interesting to me is that last year, flights, the, the number of people flying was way down, but the number of complaints is way up, which is kind of concerning. It was, and, and that's something that when you look at it, we're, I'm, you know, they're wondering if it's going to continue or not. And I tell you what, I'm doing everything I can. Uh, coast to coast, I'm on uh, 2,000 segments a year, and many of those I'm, I'm reminding everyone, if you have a complaint, dot gov. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do uh, to make sure that you as a passenger get everything you're entitled to from the airline on a current or even a past complaint. Unfortunately, so many travelers, because they don't know any different, will complain to the airline, they'll get nothing back, 
They'll complain to the airline again, and they'll wait, and, and they continually go on and on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You send something through the Department of Transportation website, within a day or two, you'll get a response from the DOT saying, thank you for this. We've forwarded it over to the, you know, the, the airline, and uh, you know, we'll be copied in on everything. And believe me, the airlines have to respond within, I think, a month. Otherwise, uh, they could face a fine. And you know, the airlines are going to do what they can to be compliant. Now, recently, I went over to the. Um, I was looking at some airline Facebook pages, including Southwest, which, of course, is new to the Savannah area, just to see what kinds of things people were posting. And a lot of people were posting complaints. Some of the airlines responded. Some of them didn't. And I saw people saying, you know, this is the third time I've posted this, and nobody ever comes and answers me. So that's a word to the wise, as you were saying, that the best place to, to complain and to get a response is to go to dot.gov. It is, but look, if you want to send the airlines uh, a, a, a message, not post, send them a message on Facebook. Um, send them a, a tweet of some kind. Uh, because, look, if I'm, let's say I'm in an airport, my flight's canceled. I, I call the 800 number and it says, you know, you're number 513 in line. <laughs> we'll get to you in three hours. And you see 29, 35 people, whatever, in front of you, and this line's not moving. Yeah. Go to Facebook or, or something else and send them a message. Hey, here's my six digit confirmation number, what we call a record locator. My flight's been canceled. What options do I have? Sometimes within 20 minutes, 15 minutes, or 12 minutes, they'll respond. They have social media teams that don't respond necessarily to posts, but due to messages mm. and say, what options do they have? And they may message you right back and say, hey, we have two options here. Which would you like? You say, I'd like option A. Boom, it's done. You're rebooked. You go straight to the gate. You don't have to worry about that long, non-moving line. And you see a bunch of people in front of you on the phone wondering if everybody's going to pick up. Yeah, good luck with that. And uh, But you can use that tool uh, to try to get some attention on a matter that you need a very quick response to. Very good. I didn't realize that. So Facebook Messenger or Twitter, they'll respond mm -hmm. to much quicker. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's another way that you can reach out. I've had issues before with Delta on some flights that Sherry and I had to change some of our uh, reservations on because she can't fly with her asthma and the restrictions that have to do with the, the mask requirements. And, uh, you know, I, I reached out to them through there. And I mean, certainly within the day, sometimes within a few hours, they responded right back to me saying, Hey, you know, Jay, here's what you have going on. Here's your options. This is what we can do for you. And it's nice, um, uh, because it's, it's utilizing the tools of the day to try to, you know, take care of things. And believe me, that these days, that's exactly what we want to have. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I love talking to you, because a lot of people don't know this stuff until they find mm -hmm. out about it. It's like, oh, well, thank you for the information. I appreciate it. Well, ah. believe me, that's that's why I spend the time I do on the, on the air across the country, because I'm constantly reminding everyone of these things. Because, look, together, if we work hard and we push all the right buttons, airlines might be held accountable to do a better job. They were, in the late 90s, threatened the airline industry with getting their act together, do a better job of taking care of passengers, otherwise we will re-regulate you. We'll bring you back under government control, something that's not happened since before 1978. Mm. But then the attacks of 9-11 happened, and everything went from service to security, and the airlines have really never looked back since, and they've treated us like garbage uh, you know, ever since. And you know, last year, when flights before the pandemic were 90% full, what incentive do the airlines have to treat us any better? There's no incentive because the flights are full. They're making hundreds of millions of dollars, even though they treat us like crap. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Jay, thank you again. I, I always learn something when I talk to you. I appreciate it. 
Uh, you've been listening to Wheels Up, my podcast about the airlines. Jay Ratliff, iHeartRadio Airlines expert and former airline executive. Thank you, Jay. Hey, always my pleasure. And if you have a comment or a question for Jay for a future installment, easy. Just shoot me an email. It's Mark Robertson at iHeartMedia.com. Love hearing from you. And thank you for listening to Wheels Up. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.